0: All right, all right, all right, everyone! It is so good if you can draw your attention up here for a minute. It is so awesome to have you here tonight. Uh, my name's Tim Gillio. Uh, I'm on staff here. My wife Rachel's over there doing what we're all doing, which is connecting. Uh, we believe in marriage, and I don't know about you, but oftentimes one of the best things we that I've seen that we could do for marriage is to have a healthy community. That we get pour into marriage together. Um, healthy marriage is one of those things where you got to have a couple things. First of all, you got to be healthy as an individual. Uh, the next thing is you've got to um, you've got to have your life founded on God, and then your marriage founded on God. So I'm super excited uh, tonight. We've got an awesome opportunity. We're going to go through some questions that you guys have submitted over the last month that we're going to answer. We've got some great uh, people joining, which I'll introduce in. In a little bit. Uh, But if you did not get a chance to sign in in the back, there's on your table, there's a little trifold tent card thing. You can take a picture of that QR code, and it will direct you to where you can uh, check in. And with checking in, we're going to give away, because uh, May the 4th be with you, uh, we're going to give away a set of his and her coffee cups. That's a classic scene from Star Wars, uh, where Han Solo says, I love you, and Princess Leia says... Well, it goes both ways. You're right. It starts with Princess Leia saying, yeah, uh, I love you. And he looks at her and says, I know. (laughs) So uh, we're going to give away I love you, I know coffee cups. So if you haven't got a chance to sign in, go ahead. Uh, and do that. But as we get going, one of the things that we want to purpose to do is make sure that what we do draws our hearts closer to who Jesus is. So we're gonna spend time in worship. This is a time when you can get up, you can walk around, you can stay seating, uh, stay sitting, whatever you want to do. But we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna sing a song called "Waymakers." It's just gonna be playing uh, over the system. But let's just spend purpose time saying, "God." I'm here for you, and I want to know you more, and then we get to have great conversations on His intention for marriage. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, and then we're going to play this. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, Father. We just thank you for tonight, Father. We're here tonight, and we're saying, "Have Your way, Father." Whatever situation we find ourselves in, we know that you are the waymaker, Father. Whether we're maybe on a mountaintop, or maybe we're in a valley, or maybe we're somewhere in beti- between. Jesus, you're the way maker. So Father, we purpose right now to lift up our marriages to you. And we say you have your way in our marriages. Let us build environments where we can encourage each other to love you passionately. Father, we just thank you for this time that we get to come together and connect and hear about your intention for marriage. So we just give you this time, Father, we ask you to speak through us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, come on. It is awesome to have you guys here today. We got a, a fun panel that we get to, to have today, answering some questions that you guys have sent in uh, over the last little bit. And we reached out to some people and just got some good questions to kind of start some conversations. Um, and I'm super excited about who we get to have up here with us today. So we're going to have uh, Pastor David Tumasimi and his wife, Jessica, if you want to come on up. And then we got Pastor Al and his wife, Agnes. Come on up. This is going to be awesome. Go ahead. Pick one. Sit down. All right. And then uh, in just a minute, we're going to hop in. Are we live now? Come on. Well, we're we're live with Facebook, so if you're joining us online, it's awesome to have you with us as well. So, um, one of the things one of the things I've realized with with marriage, and honestly, I'll say this: one of the things I've realized with life in general is a lot of times it takes intentionality. Like you can't you can't grow on accident. Uh, there, there's a saying that you may like, you may want to do what a professional athlete can do, but you don't want to do what the professional athlete did to get to, get to where he is or, or she is, you know. And it's, it's this idea of like, okay, if, if that's what it's like in life, what does it look like for marriage? Because we want to be intentional about marriage. I think all of us in here, uh, us included and, and everyone in here and everyone watching online, I think all of us would say we want to have a stronger, healthier marriage that's closer to Jesus a year from now, right? I think all of us would say, yeah, sign me up for that. And the question is, how do we get there? And one of the best things that we could do is just hear from people that have maybe been there or experienced the same thing or have a different perspective. Um, People are probably going to laugh at this that know me really well. I I I have opinions. <laughs> right? Uh and ideas. Thank you. Uh You could just say Rachel, I'm sorry for you right now. But um my ideas and my opinions aren't always right. They're not. But I think they are. That's why I hold on to them. Um but sometimes it's really good to hear perspectives from someone else. So what we did is we said, hey, send in some questions. We reached out to people, we said, send in some questions. And we want to dive into those questions and really uh, just just to kind of set the, the the groundwork here, this isn't like just answer the question and maybe move on. This is like let's let's have a conversation. And if there's a point where we feel like God's diving in deeper, we're gonna go in deeper because we're gonna let God move in this moment. So uh there's a microphone for each of you just kinda grab it and go. Uh, This this is this is this is where we'll start. Um, Every marriage runs into maybe like rougher moments, and and that's just a fact of where people living in a broken world. So the first question, and um, Pastor, maybe I'll see if you could kind of like dive into this one, uh, uh, this one first, and just kind of hear your perspective on this, like you you and then Agnes. how do you do, or I'll say navigate, conflict well? So how do, you, how do you do conflict or navigate conflict well?
1: I speak louder than she does. <laughs> oh, 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 you don't want me to be honest. Okay. Um, no, uh, navigating conflict well is a process and um, how we've done it over the years is uh, we've fought and yelled at each other and realized that that doesn't really work and really conflict comes when you have a different perspective about something so we work hard to eliminate conflict by talking about what our perspectives are about things but when we get into a place of disagreement seek first to understand is the rule that I like to work with And seek first to understand means I have a point of view, but obviously we have a different point of view. I already know what my point of view is. So if I really love her and I feel like she has something to bring, and if I have the acknowledgement that you just gave us that you have lots of ideas and and thoughts, but they're not always right, and you, you can just embrace that I'm not always right, I'm usually right. But I'm not always right. Um, (laughs) It's a matter of listening first. Help me understand. So you're saying, and oh, so what you feel is this. So when you understand what somebody thinks, you're, you're on the way to understanding them. But it's when you understand how they feel about what they think that you can really then have a decent conversation. So it's seek first to understand, but the rest of that habit is before you are understood. So it is not, uh, I'm just gonna ask lots of questions to understand and the conflict's gonna go away once I realize where you're at. It's I need to understand you. And here's why this is important. When you seek to understand what the other person is saying, it opens up their heart to hear your perspective. Because now you're like, what you have to say is important, how you feel is important. We obviously don't agree on this, but help me understand because I know there's value there. When you hear it, you're so you you think this, that is exactly what I think. And if you think that, it probably makes you feel like this. Now you get me. And usually what happens there is like, how do you see it? And then you can go through the process. That's where you build to understanding So it's not your idea or my idea. And when you look at conflict resolution, you're always looking for the third alternative. So it's like, I understand how you think. I understand how you feel. You understand how I think. You understand how I feel. Where's the third alternative for us where we can get something we can both be happy with? Instead of, my whole goal in this conversation is to beat you down to the point where I win and get my way.
2: Okay, I have some stuff to say about that. Alrighty, so conflict well. I know it took me a long time to learn to not react immediately. And that is so hard to do because you want to get your point across because you figure it's as valuable as his. But um, even, you know, and I know that I'm not saying hours or days that you don't talk, but sometimes do not say things in the heat of the moment because what you're doing in the heat of the moment is typically saying things that you don't mean. You know, it's out of your hurt out of your anger, and out of that, things do not, you know, go well, typically. So um, I know at camp many, many years ago when I was a counselor, we played a little game, and I had these big things of toothpaste and had the girls get it out as fast as they could, you know. So, and, of course, they loved it because it was a big, fat mess, which, of course, the kids liked. But I said, okay, now put it back in and as fast as you can. And they're, you know, of course, they tried and they can't. I said, it's just like with your words. And at camp, you're there all week long, so you, you're, you're not getting the right amount of sleep. And and so, you know, those girls tend to, at the end of the week, start to get on each other's nerves. So we started saying, so remember this at the end of the week. The words that you say, you cannot take them back. So sometimes it's just be still And I know for me, it's just asking God for that wisdom and discernment as to how to say it and just not sparking, you know, back at the heat of the moment.
0: Uh, Pastor David or Jessica, do you guys have anything that you'd like to add or maybe you can even ask a follow-up question?
3: I think uh, we can definitely testify that recently within our marriage um, that there were different conflicts that came about that maybe years prior, I think it could have blown up our marriage or, you know, just caused a huge rift. However, in God's faithfulness, those conflicts actually brought us together. Uh, Really, I mean, out of it came a testimony. And, Oftentimes when you're going into conflict, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, this is gonna be the best thing for us. But the reality is in retrospect, looking back, we can see that those were the things that really brought us together and have strengthened us over these last
4: two years.
3: And so when we look at conflict, um, seeing conflict as an opportunity an opportunity for God to work out something for you. Um, James talks about counting all joy when you come into various trials and temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith will make you perfect and complete. You know, but pay- building patience and all of these f- character, uh, the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. And those things won't come about any, in any other way but through conflict, hardship, affliction, different things like that. And so sometimes not seeing a conflict as, why is this happening to me? But having the perspective of this is happening for me. God is going to work it out, but having like a divine perspective, coming back to scripture, Okay, what is God trying to work out? The enemy means it for bad, but how is God trying to work out goodness out of that? And so not giving the enemy a foothold, but being patient and just being willing to have like an elevated perspective, going up into the supernatural and to really
4: go into prayer
3: as far as the situation and not having necessarily a fleshly, carnal mind about it, but really tapping into the spirit, like, okay, God, what, you know, what are you trying to work out for us in this situation? And we can definitely testify. There were situations where it's just like, "Mm." but (laughs) when we look back, we can say, wow, like I feel such a togetherness. I feel such a, something was forged. In that fire like we something was built and um, we allowed God to have his way in that So.
5: yeah to me uh, we could talk about it a lot more because I think I am I am the quiet listener but the conflict never gets solved until you know days later <laughs> But one thing that the lord has really been teaching us through this is when you read genesis and the, and the man is alone there's no issues the, the fellowship the fellowship is straightforward you know and then god gets this idea that the man is lonely i'm like when did adam ever complain that he was lonely you no know? we don't see him complaining but god's like adam you're lonely let me bring you a helper and you know to me uh, some of those things when you read the Bible, you don't catch the humor because I look for those aspects. I'm like, God, you saw a problem? I didn't see any problem at all. And so and so for God to introduce such a feature as a helper, and you see the very next thing that happened was conflict arose. And, and the enemy is after God's mission, not the marriage, but the marriage is, is dealing with the results and the outcome of the conflict. And so you see that the enemy's plan really, if you don't look at the conflict as an opportunity, the enemy will be trying to disprove God's mission in your life to accomplish, to, to be fruitful, multiply, subdue. He wouldn't say subdue if there wasn't anything that was trying to come against you, he wouldn't say multiply if there wasn't forces that want you to divide. He, you know, kind of those are things that we've been picking up through this, that the word of God has become that pillar for us, that you may think the one, the singleness, is like, oh, this, everything was good there. And yet God is seeing the good that would come out of the conflict. Yeah. All
0: right, Rachel, I'm going to ask you to kind of take, talk about the same thing but bring in a different element. So one question we got was, is there a best way, to bring up frustration or things that your spouse is doing or not doing that you uh, would like to see changed or think should be changed. So I'll read that again. Is there a best way to bring up frustration or things that your spouse is doing or not doing that you want to see change?
6: So I think you are going to bring a lot of the principles that we just heard. Um, A lot of times they'll say, like, the Bible has the best principles for how to do life and relationship and business and leadership and really everything. You know, Proverbs is literally taught in businesses, you know, for business management. And I think what Pastor Al said is key because Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So being right standing, you know, with how you're seeking your life out and what you're putting first in your life. and all of the things of life that we worry about or could get distracted with are added to us. So I think when it comes to that's a biblical principle. So you're going to first do that with the Lord, but then your next person other than the Lord, if you're married, is your spouse. So that's where I think you just have a blessing brought to your marriage, when it's you're seeking first their heart. and and what they have going on. So if you're frustrated and there's something, that's the question, right? And there's something that you want to bring up to change. I think that tone is everything. I think the tone of your words sets the tone of your marriage and the tone of your home, like even your children and your pets can pick it up. Um, And so I think the first thing is just checking your heart about the frustration, you know, is this a legitimate frustration? Have you prayed about it? And um, also being willing to see your part in the frustration. So doing that inward because we are responsible for us. So seeing if I've participated in what's caused my frustration by not communicating, by having non-voiced expectations, and then coming to you, I know that there was a moment that we just went through, like, right in February, where I just, like, shared a couple things with you and just kind of laid it out in an evening, and it was very calm, but it was just very open and honest, you know, just a couple things that I felt were just not where they, where we love, we both equally love them to be, you know, and just opened it up, and he was like, well, then I should maybe make this big, like, change, And I was like, oh, no, like, how did you get to that conclusion? What did I say? And I literally in that moment was able to evaluate what I said did not come out right, because that is not the outcome. And so I was able, you know, to say, did you hear it this way when I said that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Let me say it differently, because I definitely (laughs) didn't mean that. And so I think, you know, it's how you deliver it. I mean, that's huge. You want to pray for the Holy Spirit to, you know, give you a safe delivery of a frustration and really have your heart right. I mean, if you can't say it, if you can't say it like this, you know, don't say it yet. You know, Agnes just said that. If there's too much, if there's anger, there is nothing righteous about that in your marriage. You can get angry towards the devil when you are resisting him, but to get angry with your spouse about a frustration is probably not the right time to talk about it. If If your heart's doing that, you know, above all else, guard your heart because out of it flow your issues. So I would just hold off, like, can you say it? calmly. Can you say it with your face being a safe place, your face? Um, Could you say it holding your spouse's hands or rubbing their shoulders? Like, I think that you need to be in your heart at that spot to have a frustration or something that could be a big deal brought up. You know, you've got to kind of set the ground for you to plant a seed and have it received well.
0: I think of um, when you say that. I think um, before before you can go to is there a best way to bring something up? I think you have to kind of evaluate how, like, what's the atmosphere of the marriage too, Uh, because I could tell you in moments when maybe I'm going through something, maybe it's even a friend issue or something outside of our uh, of us. If I'm in like the thick of it in some way, you know, first of all, I'm going to tell you so that you know about it, but that might not be the best moment to bring up like this huge thing. So just evaluating like, hey, where are we at? Where are you at in everything you got going on in your life? Where am I at in everything I've got going on? And is this a good time? Uh, Because if it's worth bringing up, it could be worth waiting, you know, for a minute. Because there's just times when it's just like, kind of as you guys were just hitting on, like, this is not the moment, but I valued this enough where I'm going to, I'm going to make a note of it, whatever that would be, whether it's write it down or something. And, and I'm going to wait for the right moment. And then the the only follow-up I'd kind of add to that before we get to the next question is, um, make sure you're not sitting in the enforcer role also. Like you're like, we're not the enforcer for our spouse we may bring something up and you do this beautifully, Rachel, you'll, you'll mention something and then just kind of let it go. And then you, you know, and and I I remember the moment you're talking about like, um, like you mentioned it and then you just kind of let it go. And then I sat there and I was like, so I'm a problem solver at heart. I'm a problem solver. So, okay, that's a problem. Okay. There's that solution, that solution, that solution. Um, I'm going to go with that one. So then I'll be like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change all this stuff. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't want that. So, um, but I think just like how are you guys doing as a couple? How are you each of you doing individually? And then make sure you're not the enforcer. Because if I try to force Rachel to do something, that is never going to be good. The Holy Spirit is the enforcer. That's what Jimmy Evans says. He's like, tell your spouse and then let the Holy Spirit deal with them. You know, and if it's not, if it's not something the Holy Spirit's going to deal with them on, let it go and let it take time. Sometimes it takes time to grow or to plant some seeds. So are good,
6: it is very healthy to talk to your spouse about something that you're frustrated with. Like conflict can be done so healthy. Like marriages should have conflict. If there's not conflict, I feel like you're not talking or thinking. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, There's two different people that have become one, right? And we have an enemy and we are not gonna see things the same because we're just not living side by side every day, you know, and man, woman, totally different. And so just don't be afraid of conflict, but it is really good to just apply guidelines, you know, for conflict,
1: yeah. Tim, one thing I would say is that frustration is the result of unmet expectations. And so many times you can be frustrated with your spouse and they are clueless of the expectation. And we do far more talking about what we feel is going wrong than talking about stuff ahead of time saying, you know, is it okay if I have this expectation in our marriage? Is this something that... Uh, is healthy for us, and this is this is something that is important to me, and and I'd like for this to happen, and having that conversation at a time when you're just like taking stock, you know, how we doing, you know, not we got a problem, but we're just taking stock, how we doing, and it's like, well, you know, I have this expectation, and then if she knows that expectation, and it it doesn't happen, I get frustrated. I can go back to, you know, this is kind of what we talked about. Are we not seeing that the same? Instead of, man, you didn't do this. They're like, I had no clue that that was even something you expected, and I have no intention of doing that.
5: Let me add something to that, too. Uh, I know it goes along the same lines. I remember it was Les Parrot who we stole this idea from him. So we have these, we call them pillow talks, where it would just be bedtime, kids are still screaming and going on. But when it gets a good, quiet moment... <laughs> Um <laughs> I look cover and say like I'll ask a, just just a simple question. Tell me three things I did this week that blessed you, and tell me one thing that that I can improve on. And I think that has protected that when the conflicts came, we've already been prepping ourselves for it, that. When it comes, expectations are clear. Oh, oh yeah, that's one area I've really been working on. You're saying I've improved, so instead of it being the setback when it's this big, you're kind of been biting at it. Now, we don't do it like every single day, but we do like a check-in. Every time we sense like, ah, something is off. Hey, tell me three things. And then but my my response when she asks me is she can't explain it away when I'm telling her the three things that I think are good. (laughs) So she can't be like, well, it's because. So it's just for her to listen. Be like, hmm, okay. And then we go to bed. And then whenever she gets the opportunity she will tell me the same three things. And that one thing that I need to improve and my response is not to explain it away, my response is to listen because that's how she received it. Whether I thought by bringing her flowers was a gesture of love, and she's like, I can't maintain them. I don't want to pour water every morning. And it's like, just give me plastic ones. It would be great, you know? So this is just an example. So it's just kind of simple. I'm not saying she does it. <laughs> but I think that has really helped us in in conflicts in, in those moments to, to where the first time is not when we're thinking about it. It's more like yes i think I, i'm a little bit hot-headed. i need to deal with that more
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right um we're gonna go from the end this way kind of do a lighter question uh who changed th- uh the diapers and then who changed the bed for kids when they had
5: and vomit like who did the like the dirty work
4: uh, or does I, yeah
5: I was kind I am the brave one so uh, all the throw ups and the heavy blowouts when I'm home but when I'm not home definitely she's the she's the queen
3: <laughs> and I do the middle of the night stuff because I can wake up and then go back to sleep like sleep is my gift my spiritual gift like I can wake up and it'll be as if it never happened and just go back into a deep sleep so I mean I do the middle of the night ones, um, but... I
5: can't do that. <laughs> if I get up at 2 a.m., it's over. I'm going to stay up all the rest of the day. <laughs> so. so...
3: Yeah. So I get to do the night ones, but he definitely does a lot of the other, like the bedding and stuff like that, He'll
2: No, there were no diapers, no vomit, no, none of that from Al. So, no, 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 he doesn't like that. He was the youngest of five boys. So, you know, that's right. So, but when it comes to first aid or anything like that, it's definitely him. He is always very, very calm Uh, I remembered when it used to be Grand Village Mall, but they had a little mailbox there. And Christy and I were in the car, and she was maybe three. And, um, you know, I think now, I was just thinking of this yesterday because I knew we were going to be doing this. And I thought, why was she not in a car seat? I don't know. But anyway, she was not. I I don't think we had car seats then. Or they didn't have to once they were three years old. I guess we thought... Yeah, I guess we thought they were old enough they could just sit. Well, if for some reason I went around the corner to go to the mailbox there and I saw, and I can see it in my mind yet today, her little leg opened the door of the truck and she just slid out on the pavement and I was just like, I could see her as I was driving, you know. And as I look back too, I think to myself... God is so good. She could have been hurt so bad as a little three-year-old, you know, um, just skidding along the parking lot. And did I think, hey, maybe she has a broken bone and maybe you should leave her there. No, no, no. I scooped her up. I put her back in the car as fast as I could. And we, we lived very close. So I right away came home. And I said, of course, she was crying. And she was all skinned up everywhere. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay, honey. I am so sorry. And the second I opened the door, I, I, I didn't have to be the one in control anymore. And I just looked at Al, and he's looking at me holding Christy, who's all bloody, and she's a terrible mess. And I'm like, oh, she fell on the car. And he's like, what, 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 what? He's trying to make cats or tails of it. But... He is definitely, if there's any first aid or whatever, and he has some training in first aid, too, um, I, I, he right away does that. And it's not that I'm afraid of blood, but I, I just go crazy once I don't have to be the person anymore. So that's my story there.
1: <laughs> you missed the best part. Christy never dropped the envelopes that were supposed to go in the mailbox. She hung onto those, um, she had those envelopes in her hand, skidded across the parking lot. She came home, Ag opens the door, and she's like, I'm sorry! Christy's crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world has happened here? She's got the envelopes in her hand.
2: (laughs) She was responsible even back then.
6: How fast were you going?
2: (laughs) No, I think it was maybe (gasps) twenty or (laughs) twenty-five.
6: Did you notice? God God is so good
2: because look at her today. She's all healthy and well and no scars. That's right. It was awful to see. I'll tell you.
6: I know! Why didn't I? I don't know. Did anybody see it happen? I other don't know. I'm,
2: <laughs> I'm hoping not, or I'd have probably been arrested. Who knows? I don't know.
6: <laughs> God also
2: watching over me. <laughs> oh,
6: that's... I'm not going to forget that. That's just great. Okay, uh, so diapers. We've shared diaper duty all... We're still in diaper duty. All along, we've shared diaper duty... And vomit. We learned that if you actually turn the kid towards you when they say they have an upset tummy and you hear the th- noise, they just catch it and just let them do it on you. Yes. With, yes. It does not get on my carpet. I can get in the shower. It is like the smell in your carpet. No. I am a nurse. I am a nurse. Just, just do it. And then I just like hold my arms like this and hold it all and then go into the shower yes you can wash your clothes my couch my bedding no it's just all right here yes. so we share it um they're getting over the fact that i do that It doesn't happen often, praise God. Um, But Tim, Tim wakes up every night if there's a kid that says they have wet their bed or they have a dirty, he always figures that I'm doing it all day long while he's gone and he can go back to sleep, so there was not that issue. I don't actually know that anyone wakes up, so that's probably why he always has to do it. They would be crying for two hours before I would wake up. And so it's the grace of God that he's a light sleeper. But he does it all at night. Like, I don't even know what happens. He'll be like, I was up four times last night and the dog. I was like, wow. Thank you. I'm going to make you breakfast. So, yeah.
0: For me, if there is any noise in the house, like, I'm awake. It's horrible. I wish I could sleep. Like, a cricket could walk through the kitchen not even cricketing. Just walk through the kitchen. And I'm awake. I'm like. I'm going to pray oh, for the Wait until your children are teenagers.
2: Woo-hoo, yeah. You're yeah. not going to get any sleep, there man.
0: There you go. Okay. Um, uh, this is going to be kind of a two-sided question. And we'll go uh, Pastor Ellen Agnes first. And we'll go down to uh, Pastor David. And then we'll come down here. And we're all going to answer these, these questions. So it's uh, uh, wives. Answer, how can a husband pursue their wives? And us guys will answer, how can wives pursue guys? So, kind of the perspective of basically like, help me help you kind of thing. So, we'll start right there. You go.
2: Okay, I think one of the very important things, if you've never read the book or you don't know, What is your husband's love language? I know for Al, it is words of affirmation. So I could give him millions of gifts, and although he likes them, that's not what fills his tank. So I think um, for all of you, that would be very important. If you haven't read it or you don't know what the love languages are, Uh, very, very important to know that. And... um, I think there were just little things that I did. He traveled quite a bit when he was working at Zondervan's, and I would hide little cards in his clothes, and just because I know that that is his love language, you know. Of course, too, always honoring and building them up. I think every man, I think God has created them that way, to be honored in your own home and to respect them. Um, And the other is praying. Prayer to me is so very important, and years and years and years ago, and I do it every single day, and I do it for my kids, and I do it for my mom and dad. But, you know, it started with praying for Al, and I pray every day, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And, you know, you can look it up. It is an actual prayer in the Bible, and um, so it is that, you know, and this is my prayer for you, that your love will. And then just, I of course memorized it now because I do it every day and I think prayer and going before God is so important for your spouse you know we are different male and female and they deal with different things than typically we do during the day and that prayer covering is so so very important so even though you know you may think of physical things how you would pursue but the spiritual is so very important as well
0: What was the question again? So how do you, um, how do you pursue your spouse? I'll just, I'll just simplify it to that way. Like, How do you pursue your spouse? It took me a
1: really long time to realize that pursuing your wife is not about being physical. And I was brought up in an all-male home no sisters uh, just my mom and I didn't get the whole female thing for a long time and uh, it's come to me slowly so there's hope for you guys if you don't get it Um, but it's really pursuing her heart and you know when when i invest deeply into understanding what's important to her and when when i invest everything that i have and everything that i am in helping her pursue the call that god has on her life and what's important to her it doesn't matter if i put on 10 pounds it doesn't matter if you know i smell a little bit cuz i'm coming in from outside because she sees the person that's 100% for her and working hard for her to be all that she's supposed to be. And when you do that, I mean, it's, it's like this, because it causes her to pursue me. You know, our, our lovemaking and our time together is never richer than when I am selfless about understanding that she is awesome and a gift and as the best gift that god has ever given me if i care for that like i care for my cars or that thing that's really important to me and then take it up another notch the the blessing is i get to see her blossom and when that happens i get just as much out of it as she does and so for me the whole pursuit thing is me just wanting to see her be all that she can be. And when she knows that, she knows I'm for her, it's gonna make a world of difference. I'll start next week.
3: Ag said a lot of the good ones, uh, really tapping into their love language. What I will definitely say is with uh, death uh, of close loved ones recently, I never want to leave anything unsaid so that if today is my last day, I made sure I loved on, we call him affectionately lovey, that I loved on him really well and that I didn't leave anything unsaid. Like not expecting, oh, he should know that but to really tell him. So I kind of live with that intensity of like, this is my last day and that I didn't leave for him to guess. I want him to know, like be very upfront. Um, And so just being upfront with my love and my generosity that I might not get tomorrow. And so like really living with that intensity of that this could be it. But of course, planning like we're gonna live forever. And so knowing that we're, what I'm doing today, I'm sowing seeds for the future.
4: And so the
3: house that we're building now is what we're gonna live in. And so I wanna make sure that I love on him in that way that he really experiences the love and to uh, make sure that our home is the place where he is celebrated the most. I'm not gonna let somebody out love him more than me, or, you know, and just making sure that I'm really bold about that. And uh, that when he comes home, he no, no matter what defeat he might have experienced outside the home, that whatever, you know, happens outside the home, he's gonna get his scars, you know, just everything. He, he'll be nursed, his heart will be tended to at home. We're gonna love on him, regardless of what happens outside the home. Home is where he's gonna be loved the most.
5: Yeah, I'm Superman at home. You don't wanna, you don't wanna mess with me. Um, <laughs> that's how it feels like. Hey, um, we, I mean, we have this saying at home: plan like you're gonna live forever. Prioritize like the la- the second is the last. So I think to me, uh, to her. I mean, on top of what you said as well, Pastor Al and, and, and Angie. And so, I mean, some of the things that opportunities that t- to me that I see. And again, I like to use the word of God because to me, I've found quite a pillar. She loves to study the word of God. I'm always like asking her, what did you discover today? And man, I just sit up, grab a cup of tea and listen. <laughs> you know, it's just so good to discover things like that about your spouse or whatever they like do and I think to me it just makes me want to just like, wow, what am I going to discover tomorrow so this excitement just goes beyond and I know uh, I love Genesis because almost God's intent is right there and God introduces Eve to Adam and Adam's like yeah, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, it's like (laughs) like doesn't it go to God ask what mission do you have for this (laughs) and when the devil comes, guess who does he go to to the woman because guess what? Adam didn't do his part. Like, Let me introduce you to this relationship that I have with God because I think that's the piece that again I try to interpret is when, when the devil came to Eve Adam was standing right next and Eve didn't know who to go to for the comfort because Eve wasn't introduced to God just like Adam knew God. So I think to me those were the kind of signs that oh man uh, God is all-knowing, but he left, he, he, he made it so obvious for Adam that I think it's in those moments where it's like, Eve, let me introduce you to the guy that created me. He's my father. He's everything. In other words, come to this relationship, and I've found out that by even honoring her family. I mean, I have more dates with her mom because <laughs> we love playing pickleball, so she, and she doesn't play pickleball, so it's like I'm hanging out with the family and having a great time. I said, are you going to come? She's like, but I know how parties, when I get home, it's gonna be good because I'm gonna get a new word. Uh, I mean, we call her the prophet of the house. Sometimes she'll speak of the future. You're like, oh yeah, definitely. And two weeks later, it does happen. So I think those are the kind of things that have fed our household. All
6: right. How do you pursue your husband? I think studying him, I mean, you obviously, learned what your spouse or when you're dating there's something that caught your eye about them and there's something that kept your eye because you got married or you're engaged and that should never stop ever stop I mean I think of like people who are gardeners or people who are into hobbies like they don't stop practicing they don't stop planting or weeding and why on earth would we ever stop studying and researching and just observing what matters the most to our spouse in this season that we're in because it changes and their love language change changes so I loved the pillow talk I think that's a huge pursuit I think it can also be an indicator on what they're being blessed with so if you're like I don't know what my spouse's love language is do the pillow talk that Pastor Dana and Jessica just shared like you do the three things that you were blessed this week or the last few weeks or months that you saw your spouse do for you or you just observed in their life. Like you just noticed a characteristic in their life. And I mean, I, I think that's huge as a spirit of thankfulness in your home. I think every, every person should be saying thank you to their spouse for something in that day. Like there's something. You could find anything. Like thank you for waking up today. You know, uh, you know, well, yes, (laughs) right. (laughs) If you're having a hard time finding something, there's an example. (laughs) But like you could listen to the things like and you start like, you know, if there's a it's hard, maybe your marriage isn't there yet. And it's really hard to even pull that because maybe there's some you know some working through that you're in the process of um, just try to start thinking of things and honestly I know that there's marriages here or that are watching online that you can't maybe even verbalize it because there's been some hurt so writing it writing a letter you know just a sticky note on their cell phone before they're leaving for the day or put it on their steering wheel start somewhere Like prepare your heart for, you know, turning that direction of thankfulness, but just study, study them.
0: Um, I think for me, it kind of goes along with, uh, with what's been said. And, uh, Jessica, I love what you said about like today I'm planting seeds that I'm going to reap tomorrow. Um, and, and that's true every day. Today I'm reaping what I planted yesterday and planting what I'm going to reap tomorrow. And it's like having an intentionality. And I think uh, I think for for me, it's realizing that it's not about me. Jimmy Evans says it this way. He says the picture of heaven is a couple sitting at a table and they've got spoons attached to their arms, but they're three feet long and they can't feed themselves. But all they can do is like feed their spouse. It's like, like, look at your spouse real quick and realize that you're the only one that can meet their deepest need. And then realize that they're the only one that can meet your deepest need. And it's like having that mindset, but in a non-selfish way. It's just, when you walk into the home, just say, and, and like, I'm sitting up here and I'm like, I've got to answer this, realizing that I haven't been the best at this lately. But it's like, like, what can I do to just bless you When I get home, because when I get home, you've been in it all day long with the kids, but I'm just stepping into it. And it's like, what can I do? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like just being intentional about pursuing them in a way that's what they want, using their love language, you know, doing words of affirmation, writing notes. It's just being intentional. Like what are what's what's my wife or you know, if it's what's my wife's love language? You know, is it like she needs just a minute to decompress from the day? Does she need me to take the kids? Does she need me to need me to problem solve? And you know, yesterday it was the rag that got stuck in the garbage disposal. Like that's a hard thing to get out. So it's like, what can I do? I can I can fix problem. You know, um, and just doing doing it. So um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Man, we got, we've got lots of questions. I'm going to jump to one that just came in that I think is really awesome. And I just want to hit it quick, and we'll go, um, you got uh, Pastor David and Jessica, then Pastor Alan Agnes, then we'll wrap up. But this is, how do you keep or how did you keep intimacy alive in your marriage with multiple little kids as your family grows? So how do you keep intimacy alive, or how did you keep intimacy alive? So.
3: I I think it's really important for our kids to see us be affectionate with one another. I think it's such an important foundation for them to see that security of us loving one another,
4: uh, you know, in a healthy
3: way, physically, uh, verbally, emotionally. And so just how we... um, modeling that in front of the kids um, and then just still pursuing each other um, everything's always an opportunity we love driving we drive all the way from south haven so uh, using that time on the road to connect making a point throughout the day to connect um, while he's at work sending messages being um, making still showing up even though we might not physically be there together still uh, finding a way to um, connect with him praying for him throughout the day or just uh, still doing that Um, I go to sleep really early I fall asleep pretty quickly but even if we're just sitting there on the couch together making sure that using as much of the time that we can to spend together and just to be together and so much is built during those little mundane times, just that intimacy can be built in that, doing dishes together, intimacy is built in that.
5: Yeah, I'll say the same thing uh, in, a, in a different lens. I think t- to, to me when the kid, uh, I've seen our kids try to model what we do, so they'll start hugging each other or doing things like that. And then uh, they will begin to call each other names like Lavi or something like that. So you begin to see these little things, I mean, branching off. But I think how I've managed to maintain our relationship is uh, I've set a time every day. She knows between 12 and 1, she's going to get a call from me, kind of a quick update what's going on what is happening and it's, it's just, if I miss it, she'll be like, right, like, like I better hit 201. Hey, uh, how are you doing? Like, uh, <laughs> you missed something between twelve and 1 and so, and that helps a lot. And then we also, um, I try to make sure that she doesn't like surprises. So I leave my plans for my day, like where I know she will find it. Or I'll, I'll make it super obvious i am like I'll get up and take all the trash out before I leave, and then she'll be like, "Oh, you took the trash out," and so it'll be something But I think I realize it's not good to surprise her because it's like uh, that wasn't too obvious for me, and it's I don't we don't flow like that, and so I try to do those obvious aspects where she will find are, a plan on a on, on a notepad for what it, that they're gonna it will look like, yep and and for some closer intimate things it's just always tough, sometimes the kids just like butt through the door, you're like ah oh. <laughs> you're like ah, oh, I don't know what's going on, and so you can avoid those, but I think those are the, I mean um, I shared that, Have has anybody been listening to the podcast Naked Marriage by by Willis, and I think to me it's when those things you can't really plan for them, or you can't really avoid them, because they just have the right moment of showing up, and they always do. So if you haven't had kids yet, get ready. Um, but I think it's those moments that I mean, it becomes a laughing stock for the entire family, and, and I think it creates more unity and conversation.
2: I think uh, that is correct, Um, just like Jessica said. I think it's very, very good to model to your kids, and now for us, it's our grandkids, uh, just to see us interacting with each other, just laughing together, and just enjoying life. To know that, like for us, we're obviously older, but you know what? Life is full of adventure and is what you make of it. So um, let your kids, let your grandkids see that. I know what Mark is thinking, though. <laughs> I know the story. Because there was a time that Al got me a piece of negligee for Christmas. And our kids were older, but they did not appreciate that thing. <laughs> So there's limits. Sometimes maybe it's just better between the two of you.
1: <laughs> she opens this gift on Christmas. This is priceless. And all the kids are there, you know, the grandparents are there and she's opening this up and she holds up this thing. And my son goes, come on! <laughs> Christy says, man, we don't want to see that. I said, where do you think you came <laughs> I said, where do you think you came from? They're like, we just don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it because it's going to wreck the rest of the week for me. I, um, I know we're going to run out of time here. And I have had something on my heart that I really wanted to share, and it might not be exactly to this question, uh, but here's, here's what I wanna say. I think I'm here tonight to tell especially the men in the room that there is a process that you can use, that you can do, a habit, that will revolutionize your marriage if you're not already doing it. And I talked to you and Ricky about it a couple months ago. And here's what it is. It's super easy. God has blessed you with a wife. If you will take 30 minutes every single week, put it on your calendar, Sunday afternoon, instead of watching football the whole time, break away and just think about your wife. Think about who she is. Think about how blessed you are to have her in your life and what God has you there for. And then ask God, what could I do this week that would bless her, that would help her to grow, to feel loved and appreciated? And then whatever that is that God gives you, whether it's buying her flowers, whether it's a phone call, whether it's leaving her a little note, whatever it is, put it in your day timer, put it in your calendar, put it in your phone, and then make sure you do it. Sometimes we think if it's not spontaneous, it doesn't count. I'm here to tell you that when I got a hold of this and I started doing this for my kids and for my wife, my relationships with my family went from here to here instantly. You said it a couple of times already. Be on purpose and be intentional. You can't be more intentional than sitting down and thinking about your wife and saying, how am I going to bless her this week, and then doing that. And she's like, I can't believe you thought about doing that. It's like, I thought about that on Sunday afternoon when I was sitting down doing the process that I do every single week. And for those of you who have large families with kids, you do this for each one of your kids. Because it gets really difficult to find the time and the right time. But if you sit down and you do it, you're looking for it and you know already what you're going to do, and you watch it bless them, it's intoxicating. Yeah. You do it, I guarantee you this, if you will give me one month, do this for a month. If you will do this for a month, you will come back and say, I'm never going to stop doing this, because I see the impact it has, and it changes your heart, too, because you're always thinking about, hey, I'm supposed to be blessing my spouse, how am I doing that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Pastor Al, I think that fits into this question way more than you probably realize because my response to this question was schedule it. Because I think I I always view it as three levels of intimacy, spiritual intimacy with your spouse, physical intimacy, and emotional intimacy. And the way to do that with young kids and the way to do that in life in general is to schedule it. Put it on your calendar. Pastor Al, you kind of put me under the bus there. <laughs> sure. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing? to I'm go spend 30 minutes. No, okay. No. Um. So, there's we have like four minutes. I got to get Nikki up here to real quick close. So I'm gonna pray. Nikki's gonna close. And if you got kids, you got to run to get your kids so that I don't get talked to by Pastor L because Pastor. Uh-huh. Carson talks to Pastor Eldon. and no I'm joking. Uh, can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We love you, Lord, and we know, Lord, that you have an awesome plan for marriage. And, Father, we know that you have an awesome plan for our marriage. So we submit everything to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said—